You are listening to the Walk After Falling podcast. No, you said it so quiet. I know. I'm having different versions. Oh. <laughs> I don't know what kind of struggle you're going through. I don't know what the situation may be, but you serve a mighty God. All right, all right, all right. Got to sound like Matthew McConaughey for a second. <laughs> <laughs> that really did actually sound like that. But I... Uh, that was a great invitation. <laughs> thank you, thank you. Well, I am excited for today especially um, because we are having somebody on this call who uh, the past year, really the past year, because I've known you for about a year, um, and I told you this on the phone when we had a, a talk yesterday, is that I don't keep a lot of people around me that I feel super like drawn to or close to because I'm just always observant. You know what I mean? I'm always observant of like who's around me, what I'm hearing from people, their vibe, like their attitude and things like that. I know I'm not the best sometimes, but it's just every time this guy speaks, like I want to listen. So I'm so excited to have you for this time to get into that and just you just bring such a fresh and um just such a good perspective so i'm just gonna let i'm gonna get into it right now because i i don't think there's anything that i could do to give you a better introduction <laughs> but we have lj and i'm gonna have you pronounce your last name because i feel like i always forget if there's an a or no a but i'm gonna let you pronounce it we got lj lj and gabby right uh, ooh, um, that sounds good. I didn't know it was that. <laughs> yeah, it felt good coming out too. So, <laughs> <laughs> but it, go ahead, go ahead. No, I appreciate that introduction because um, I think we're going to dig into a lot today, and I feel like a lot of the times my heart can feel guarded, mm. and you don't want to let people in. Yeah, um, and that's sort of been uh, my journey in, in life. So I'm happy to to start to dig into that. Uh, so I love that introduction. No problem, man. You deserve it. And I'm thankful for you being on here. And mm -hmm. I just want to kind of, I want to get started a little bit with, you know, who you are, what you do, what brought you, where you're from, what brought you to Chicago. How's quarantine going? How's quarantine? Start with quarantine. Um, you know, just tell us what's going on with you right now. Those are, that's such a layered question. Uh, <laughs> and I love it. Um, but I'll, I'll start with, with, with where I am today and then I can talk about what got me here. Cool. Um, but today I am just someone who is continually trying to, to figure things out. Um, quarantine is going well. Um, I work in sales. So the transition to working from home has not been too drastic. Yeah. Um, but as I was saying earlier, it's interesting because now that I'm working from home, I had never really done that in my career consistently. Mm. Um, but now I'm starting to have to learn what my habits and routines are. And I'm having to like create a version of myself that seems unfamiliar. Wow. So I feel like I'm constantly trying to like figure myself out. And being in quarantine when there are less distractions to do that seems like a, a perfect time to, to, to go on that journey. Mm -hmm. yeah. I've been trying to view this time as like such a gift because when else do you have like a month to just like 
dedicate to working on you and growing wherever you need to grow. It's like this, this really has been such a gift. I feel like for me. It is, but it's, you know, it, 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 it honestly feels like a gift and a curse. Mm -hmm. And the reason that it feels like a curse is because it is difficult to feel like things are positive when you can't control what's happening next. Mm -hmm. So like as much as I'm trying to, to have control of this situation and actually do, I've, I've gotten more done in the last couple of weeks than I've gotten <laughs> in the last couple of months. <laughs> like I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm really growing in this time. Yeah. It doesn't feel that way. It feels mm -hmm. like, it feels like I'm in, um, I feel, it feels like I'm, I'm like in, I'm like, uh, did you guys ever used to play, um, like Pac-Man yeah. or any of those games where it's just like, you keep going around, uh, this little maze in this little box mm -hmm. and then you get to the end and then it's just another round of the same thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Something that I heard not too long ago, I was listening to, uh, uh, Stephen Furtick, uh, sermon and, mm -hmm. uh, it, he had TD Jakes on, it was just a conversation and mm -hmm. TD Jakes said on there that, what your reward for a you know he asked the audience do you know what your reward is for a challenge and everybody's like no and he's like just another challenge you know mm -hmm. you just go around in it and you just keep it. i feel like you're leveling up but you're still kind of you're in it it, it and, and it's funny that you say that i love uh steven furtick and, and tvj yeah but that is exactly what we're going through universally mm. it's like Hey, you know, um, we're hearing good signs. Things are getting better for people. And you might've just had a conversation where you're about to be laid off or, or furloughed. Yeah. So it doesn't feel that way for a lot of people. And the, the interesting thing is like when you, when you begin your, your, uh, like faith journey with God, cause I feel like we're all on that same journey. Yep. It's you begin it with a lot of energy, excitement, or curiosity, one of those things. <laughs> and then as anyone who has been in, in that journey for any period of time, you start to realize that um, continuing to have faith is even harder than beginning to have faith. Wow. Mm -hmm. So what tends to happen is like, okay, like now that you're through it, luckily God is continuing to build your resolve. Yeah. So you're more able to deal with it, but it doesn't get easier. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what people don't uh, like about this whole journey. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely uncomfortable. It's definitely an uncomfortable thing, but within that, is and I say this in small group a lot of the time though it's almost uh, some people might not be there yet but some people might be is like reaching the end of yourself finally reaching mm -hmm. the end of what you can control and like literally like saying to yourself that that's it there's there's nothing else I by myself can do but all along like you probably haven't even been doing it by yourself anyway you're just mm -hmm. now giving you're giving the, uh, I don't know what word to use for it, but you're just giving presence to what has always been there. But now you're saying uh -huh. like, yes, like take it for me uh -huh. now. Hmm. But no, that's and awesome. That's awesome. Let me ask you two something. What, yeah. What's something that you do every day? 
It's mm, a good question. So uh, aside, so do we want to keep like aside from work and things like that, or just tell me the first thing that comes to your mind? So the first thing that we have been um, personally like that I I know that I had to do, and I say it again in small group all the time, and I've been really intentional about it is getting up every day. The first thing is like I'll grab my phone. Yes, I will. Like I admit that, but instead of going to apps or anything like that, I'm going straight to the Bible app. And okay. I'm working on those devotions. And I know that sound to some people that might sound like, oh, he's just saying that. But like, I need that because if I now, if I don't start my day that way, I, I can tell the difference because I'm here all day and I can tell the mm-hmm. difference in my mood and my attitude for the, for the remainder of the day. Mm-hmm. So I try to open up mm-hmm. that Bible and just pick, pick a devotion that feels right for how I'm feeling. Like I just, we just got Mm -hmm. done doing a devotion about fear and I've been in a season Mm -hmm. where I've been fearful of transition and, and you know, the future or being stuck in the same thing. And that's just been really helpful for me. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, something I try to do every day also is read the word, whether it's, um, you know, on the Bible in one year app, we've been doing that. Um, but even if I don't spend time in the word, I always try to spend time in quiet and journaling. So that's something I, like he said, when I don't start my day with that, it's, it just throws me all off. So yeah, yeah. that's something I'm just trying to be super intentional about. But a real thing is like, we've just started this 40 days of yoga and I might've mentioned that on our call. Like, so that's what we've been doing every day and it's been dreadful. <laughs> <laughs> But that's interesting. Um, well, I think what I'm curious about is if I had to answer that question, mm-hmm. um, something that I do every day is try to, um, is just try to simply make it through the day. Yeah. But what I'm curious is that none of us said just wake up mm-hmm. because what we don't acknowledge is that the gift that God gives us every day is life. Wow. And we do things throughout the day to try to get closer to God, Mm -hmm. like whether it's reading devotional, whether it's staying in quiet, but we aren't even at the baseline of just the fact that God gives us this life every day. That's, that's the only reminder that we need that, you know, God is good and God is able, but we don't go there. We go into like, uh, like I, I, I gotta check my abs or mm-hmm. like, I gotta do something for my self care, Wow! but we aren't necessarily centering ourselves a lot of the time in like the simplest thing. And that's just life. Yeah. Hey, I'm alive. I'm awake. And that's how I know God's able. So now I can like go throughout my day. And, and the reason I asked that question is because I found myself doing that a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what can make times like these even more difficult Yeah, because I don't even start the question with like, you know, God's able, God is good. I don't start there. Mm. I started with like, Oh man, it's, it's tough to get through the day. It's like, Oh, work is hard or this is going on or this is going on. And, and we don't even acknowledge that God's already been good to us. Like just the fact that we're alive and we're breathing. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that can be something that just makes the journey and the road even more challenging. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely, man. That's such a good word. And such, it, it, it's almost as if it's one of those things that are easier said than done, but it's, it's mm-hmm. you know what I mean? But it's like a simple, beautiful reminder that like, 
It really is simple. And I think I've mentioned this to a couple people, but really our fit, like faith, we make it so hard. We make it so hard of being grateful and being faithful when everything that we need is right there for us. And it's so easy because the answers have already been given to us, but we put the obstacles in our way to do everything else, but to just look at the simple things. And I love that you brought that up because like, like I said, man, if we're walking in this walk together, me, you, me and Catherine, you and whoever else that you have in your life, uh, you know, the people around us that, that we keep accountable, we have to keep calling those people out on those things. And it could be just like, Hey, you know, what do you do every day? <laughs> so I love that you, mm-hmm. that you, uh, put it in that perspective, man. That's awesome. Um, mm-hmm. but yeah, I, I, it, it's tough to, it's tough to get through this time, but I think little things like that is, uh, become big things. The, the more that we apply them in our lives. So, um, I want to really, I, you're so like, you bring this wisdom. So how old are you LJ? Uh, I'm 29, 29. Okay. So we're the, we're, we're the same, we're around the same age. Cause I'm 28, but I'm, I'm getting to my 29th year. So I feel like a kindred spirit with you in a way. And that's why I feel like you're, you're, um, you know, did I, I, I told you this yesterday too. And I I will keep referring back to it cause we had such a good talk, but it's like the spirit we're speaking to each other is like spirits. You know what I mean? It's like spirit speaking mm-hmm. to spirit, not Julian to LJ or Catherine to Julian or anything like that. It's like spirit speaking to spirit. If you really think about it. And I just love how much wisdom you bring to the table each and every day mm-hmm. like that, that I get to talk to you. But where did that come from? You know what I mean? Like, where did that wisdom, how did you get to where you are now? Like, tell me a little bit about yourself and how you came to Christ and, and your walk mm-hmm. a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, that's an interesting question because I never really think I'm being wise. Mm. Um, it's, uh, I feel like I've lived a lot of life, which isn't always something that I'm um, appreciative of. Mm-hmm. Are you an old but, soul? Do you do you consider yourself an old soul? No, I feel like I've just gone through a lot of tragedy. Got it. Okay, that's <laughs> um, real. That's real. And then from that, it's just like you you begin to look at life in in different ways. Mm. So I'll kind of start from the beginning, I guess. Yeah. Because um, that might be helpful to add some color to all of this. Mm-hmm. Um, so I grew up in New Orleans, um, but I'm not from New Orleans. I actually am from Rwanda uh, in Africa and my whole family is um, like a a very diverse set of people but essentially growing up in Rwanda um, I had um, it was my father my mother my sister and I Mm -hmm. and as, 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 as a lot of people are familiar with in 1994 is when the Rwandan genocide happened mm-hmm and we were there in the Rwandan genocide. Wow. My father was actually in America at the time. He was in New Orleans. He was getting his PhD wow. uh, at Tulane in epidemiology. And uh, my dad was an OBGYN and then decided to, to continue his education and, and become an epidemiologist. But at the time, he was in New Orleans while we were um, in Rwanda. And during the genocide, unfortunately, I ended up losing um, my mother and my oh, sister. 
um, and probably a third of my family at that point in time. Wow. Um, and what ended up happening was uh, my father's in America. I'm in the Rwandan genocide. I, I'm there. I, I see my, my mother and sister killed. Oh. And what happened was I was on the brink of death. That was like the first time in my life um, that I <laughs> wasn't even supposed to be having this conversation with you. Yeah. Um, wow. So what ended up happening was um, I, I was left for dead almost. Um, they had like burned me and um, the folks who had killed my family had um, essentially just were like, okay, this kid's not going to make it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I ended up in a refugee camp in um, the neighboring country. So I spent about 90 days, uh, almost 100 days in a, in, in a refugee camp. Wow. And what was happening is the news that my father was getting while he was in America um, was that his whole family um, was killed. Mm-hmm. So he didn't even know that I was alive. Wow. Um, so he was distraught. Um, and he was just trying to figure out how he could get back there. And there was just a number of different moving parts that he was working on in America um, while I was there. Um, and as a young child, I was always, because um, uh, it, it's funny you started with wisdom. I've always just had a strong perspective on things, yeah. um, even as a child. And I was telling everyone um, in the refugee camp that I was in, Mm-hmm. that uh, that my dad was a doctor mm. in America and he would come and find me one day, <laughs> um, wow. uh, even as a little child. So he started hearing reports um, from different people. Um, so he finally was able to um, work with like local governments and, and, and make it back to um, the refugee camp yeah. where I was at. And he spent like a couple of days and he finally found me there. Um, and I was about a week away, um, from dying, uh, from malnutrition. Do you remember Um, that moment when he, when you guys saw each other? That moment, I don't remember. Mm. Um, I remember afterwards, um, because at that point I was like, like on, I literally was about to die. Mm -hmm. Um, and I only remember like a, like the plane ride a little bit. Um, I remember like a month later because he had to nurse me back to health. Um, I was in really bad shape, but what I do remember specifically from like that point in time was, um, I, I was hopefully optimistic, Mm -hmm. even though like everything was telling me like, you know, there's nothing good that can come from this. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's something that I've had since I was a child. Um, so from there, um, after my dad nursed me back to health, we moved to uh, Louisiana, um, where I spent uh, my childhood growing up, uh, my father and I. Mm-hmm. Um, so when I talk about living in a single family home, it's it's not as typical mm, um, mm, as other no stories. <laughs> I had no idea. And it's, it's, it's interesting because I don't want to take away anything because I wouldn't be who I am without my father. Mm-hmm. But it's just a difficult position to be in having to 
um, you know, both represent, um, you know, a male figure in the household, but also not having a mother in my life. I, I lost some things um, in terms of my uh, ability. So when we talked yesterday um, about like vulnerability, mm-hmm. I never really developed that until I was older. Wow. Like that wasn't even something I was thinking about mm-hmm. because the reason that I never ended up going to therapy was because it was never something in my family that was done before. Mm-hmm. So because it felt unfamiliar Um, there were enough reasons for it to feel like it wasn't for us. Mm -hmm. Um, So we kind of built this bridge. And and my father, who now goes to therapy and and he loves it, he didn't do that at that point in time in his life. So it didn't necessarily make sense for me. Um, So there's a lot of things that we can just carry on from different generations um, that even though it doesn't necessarily make sense, it can kind of get rooted in, 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 in your development. Mm-hmm. Yes. So I grew up not believing that therapy was something that was quote unquote for us. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was like, Oh, sounds interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, it probably would have helped me get to a, a lot of places quicker. Yeah. Um, but from there, you know, I had a, a pretty typical childhood. I was a, a rambunctious kid and, mm-hmm. and I liked trying a lot of different things. Um, and then by the time I was 14, you know, we're in New Orleans and then Hurricane Katrina happened. Mm. Um, so then for the second time in my life, uh, things are, are uprooted. Um, so we didn't end up evacuating. Um, and what ended up happening is like New Orleans was literally, um, you know, it was chaotic to a point that is even difficult to imagine today. So we ended up staying um, in the complex that we were living in. Um, It was me, my father, uh, and my cousin Mm. at the time. And since we didn't evacuate, we literally would like look out the window the first couple of days because um, there's hurricanes in New Orleans every year. Like that's not an uncommon Mm -hmm. thing. Um, And up to that point in time, nothing had um, really hit like Katrina. Mm -hmm. So like, you know, there's a hurricane coming, you get a day off of school, everyone's a little bit panicked, but you know, you go back a couple of days later, not a big deal. Um, But when Katrina happened, um, I remember the night of, you know, we, um, you know, sheltered. And then the next day we go outside, you know, nothing's happening. Um, A couple hours later, um, we start to see that the water begins to rise mm. and then a couple hours the, the water begins to rise higher wow. and then it's above the cars and at that point in time in my life I couldn't swim uh-huh. I actually didn't learn how to swim until this year yeah, um, yeah because of just you know all of the things that were associated with that mm. but um so the water begins to rise uh in the place that we lived we lived on in the second floor of this complex and um, once it got to about 10 feet, we realized, what are we going to do? Mm. You know? Um, and that was one of the first, and I remember this to this day. Um, it was just seeing how strong my father had to be, mm-hmm. um, given the situations and challenges that he's been through in his life, wow. you know, losing a wife, 
losing a daughter, mm-hmm. um, losing other family, um, and then having to, to, to raise um, a boy into a man. Wow. Um, my, my father was having to always demonstrate an incredible amount of strength. Um, and I remember him rallying everyone saying like, Hey, we have to get out of this situation. Like every, cause there was a couple of people in the complex who hadn't left, um, rallying people together saying that we have to get out of here. We have to leave now. Um, this is only going to get worse for us. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was able to c- convince some folks. Um, because it was, it was just a, a, a range of, um, different types of people and demographics. Like there were older people who didn't really want to leave or didn't feel like they had the capacity to once the water was above 10 feet. Mm-hmm. Um, we were having to, to literally float on objects mm-hmm. to make it through. Um, but it was time to go. We, we, we had to get out of there mm-hmm. or potentially we weren't going to make it. So what we ended up doing is getting some boxes floating on the water until we got to um, a shallower end of the water. Mm. And we ended up, it was me, uh, my father, my cousin, and uh, one of the other residents in the building who was with us. And we ended up walking um, to the highway. And we ended up walking like the opposite direction because one direction was the Superdome, the other direction was Metairie. Mm -hmm. And it was like 15 miles. And we walked there. My dad, um, at the time, he was maybe like in his, he was in his 40s. Mm -hmm. Um, But he has high blood pressure. He has gout. Um, He has a lot of um, different diseases that, you know, he has to struggle with. But we ended up walking that, and I remember that walk. And once we we get to a road blockade, and they said, you have to turn back. Um, oh so we had gosh. to walk 17 miles just to get to the beginning. Um, and, and that was just a great metaphor, uh, for the journey that I feel like I've been on. Um, you know, I keep walking in the wrong direction mm-hmm. and, and God keeps bringing me back to beginning mm-hmm. to, to start the wow. right direction and the journey that you need to be on. Yeah. So we finally start walking towards the Superdome. Um, and we make that walk. And it's just like you can see on the highway, you can see how high the water has gotten. You see, uh, like, you know, people dying wow. in front of you. Um, and at that point, I was um, like 14 years old. So I was old enough to realize what was going on, um, but I was not mature enough to understand how much of an impact it would continue to have on me. Yeah. Um, even after that time. Um, but then we finally made it to the Superdome and, um, I think we waited about 12 hours because they were letting people in one by one, um, into the Superdome. Um, and all we had at that point was like a bag, uh, with my father's medication. And we had like, we found these, uh, bottles of, uh, Sprite because yeah. uh, my dad has diabetes. So he has to keep his sugar mm-hmm. up, um, and regulated. Um, so we finally made it in, um, and then we end up in the Superdome for like a week and a half or something wow. um, until the buses ended up coming. Um, and it was, it was, it was traumatic, you know, to say the least. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, it was difficult seeing people in such distress. I think if it happened to me at an older point in my life, I think it would have uh, limited my ability to uh to seek faith yeah 
Um, but at that point, I was still developing and I had this just natural um, ignorance, really, um, to the world. You know, we all, uh, you know, believe things when we're younger that tend not to be true. Mm-hmm. Um, and at that point in, in life, I was just thinking, like, it couldn't get worse. So it could only get better for me. Um, and I'm, and I'm happy that I had that. Um, and I remember my dad, uh, to this day, uh, you know, he's not necessarily, um, uh, a a man who says too much, Mm -hmm. um, but he'll say just enough to to get to the point. And I think I got that from my father of just the ability to, to sort of, give you like what you need to hear in certain moments. And I remember my dad telling me, um, like at, at the end of the day, only God has control of our, uh, of, of our destiny. Mm-hmm. So we have to surrender to God. And when you think about surrender, um, that's, that word can feel like you're giving something up. Mm-hmm. Like if I asked you, um, Hey, you know, are you ready to surrender to God? Um, most people's natural inclination is to think of um, what am I giving up? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah. But as we all know, um, there's freedom in letting go. Mm-hmm. So um, I'm so happy that my dad has that perspective and continues to, to have that perspective despite um, everything that he's had to, to fight through. Um, but that was the only thing that carried me through, um, in that time, um, I remember meeting, um, a guy who was around my age and, and I still remember this conversation I had with him to this day. He was, um, he was the same exact age as me. Um, and he couldn't find his entire family and he didn't think they made it. Mm. And all he could talk about was what he was going to be when he got older. Um, and that really, that really, that really affected me because there's this guy, um, who, if you look at him, like he should in that moment, you know, feel defeated, but he was clinging to, to, to whatever he felt was going to keep him going. Um, and what I realized is that was God. Um, who was moving and, and, and working. Wow. Um, but those days were tough. Mm-hmm. And then finally what ended up happening is um, once the buses came, because before we came, um, Mayor Ray Nagin was saying like, hey, the buses are here, but they weren't actually there yet. Um, or maybe they were and we just didn't get there in time. Mm-hmm. Um, but once we got there, we had to wait for the buses. And what they were doing is um, uh, the women and children who were, like being asked to move to the front mm-hmm. or getting in one bus that was went to Houston. And then the men were actually getting in a separate bus that was going to Dallas. So like, that's how the separation of families was happening in a lot wow. of cases. Um, so once we, you know, were in the line, like that is when things started to hit me in terms of like, this is a really, um, really terrible situation because I don't think I I had at that time realized how bad it was because 
Um, we're outside. It's like 90 degrees outside. If you've ever been in New Orleans, mm-hmm. you know what that heat feels like. Um, it was just literally a mass of people waiting to get and board the buses. But, you know, there's, there's infant children um, who have just no access to, to care. And then, you know, there's, there, there's mothers saying like, listen, you don't even have to let me up. To let my child go through yeah. um, and I remember seeing um, a woman whose, whose child died of heat exhausted out there and just seeing all of that around me was just really difficult to manage and I'm and I'm trying to you know even as a as, as a young boy I'm trying to be strong and I'm seeing my dad not even he, he didn't even flinch at that point he hadn't taken his medication um, because all you could eat was the army food that they were giving out he didn't eat any of it um, and my dad was just literally like, I like didn't flinch, like just was going through it. He just had this, I don't know what was going on in his head. Mm-hmm. I still have, I don't even think I've asked him to this day. Yeah. Um, but he just displayed something that was really powerful. Yeah. Um, and I just didn't have that. Um, and we finally, you know, I think that one day it was like 10 hours and we were finally able to make it into the buses. Uh, my cousin was supposed to go up with the women and children, but she stayed with us. So we were able to stay together as a family. Oh, and then we got on the buses to uh, Dallas. And then from there, um, I went to, to Philadelphia for a period in time and lived with my uncle. And then my dad um, started working in DC um, and from DC sort of, um, started my new life um and when it comes to you know the question of like what what is it that got me here Mm -hmm. because i know that was your initial question yeah but that's Um, that's amazing thank you for sharing that mm -hmm. yeah i hope you guys enjoyed chapter one of lj's story tune in tomorrow for chapter two it's a good one so far so make sure you don't miss the rest happy walking